Hey, everybody. Thank you again. I want to take a quick moment to say that. And also, if you enjoy what I'm doing here, if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy the guests that I'm having on, if you enjoy the subject matter, please go to wherever you download your podcasts from and subscribe to it. That helps me out. Also, if you write a review or or at least rate it, that also helps me out with these platforms, algorithms and such. Helps me get seen a little bit by people who haven't seen this or heard this yet. Also, if you go to www.theartoffitnesspodcast.com, I have an Amazon portal link. And if you go through Amazon, whenever you're doing Amazon shopping, if you go to Amazon through my website, a percentage of whatever you purchase helps support this podcast. So please do that. I'm Steve Service, and this is The Art of Fitness. Hey everybody, welcome to The Art of Fitness. I'm Steve Service, and today I'll be talking to you. This is a, as promised, the first Q&A only um, episode in this series, and I've been neglecting these. I've been banking them. If you noticed on the last few episodes, I've cut out the question of the day segment um, that was partially intentional and partially due to my um, being neglectful. But uh, anyway, we're going to do a full hour. This probably won't go a full hour, but... um, I'm just going to go through these questions. I'm going to try to go through them as rapid fire as I can. Um, And for those of you who did submit these questions, I want to apologize in advance. I'm not going to be saying your name. I'm not going to be saying who wrote them. Um, Just because some people didn't include their name, uh, some people opted not to have their name uh, um, mentioned, in the episode. So I'm just going to, for efficiency's sake, just read the question and answer it to the best of my ability. All right, let's get to it. Steve, should I stretch slash mobilize before or after my workout? Uh, Interesting question. To me, stretching and mobilizing, I consider them two completely different things. Stretching is the act of taking a muscle isolated muscle or a group of muscles in a chain of muscles and simply elongating them. Mobilizing, I consider mobilizing, taking a joint and moving it to increase or iron out some deficiencies in the range of motion. So for instance, if I'm doing a hamstring stretch and say I'm just doing something so simple as just touching my toes, I'm just taking that hamstring and I'm trying to lengthen it. However, if I were to be mobilizing my hips, I might take my leg and move it in a variety of different directions to increase the range of motion of my hip joint. Having said that, stretching benefits mobilization. Stretching, elongating a muscle, will aid in the act of increasing the range of motion in a joint. On the other hand, mobilizing doesn't necessarily 
mean you're going to aid in stretching or elongating a muscle. It could, and it often does, but that's not the goal. But back to your question, should you stretch slash mobilize before or after your workout? And there really isn't a simple answer. Sorry. Um, Because it depends on the type of work you're doing. If you're doing weight training, um, there's a lot of evidence out there that would suggest that stretching prior to strength training is um, not beneficial. Um, Stretching after a strength session is more beneficial. And then we go into, well, what does beneficial mean? Beneficial means if you stretch before a strength session, chances are you're not going to meet meet optimal strength outcomes. If you stretch after a strength session, um, you're probably going to reap the benefits of that stretching session. Just because your muscle is warm, um, you've created a certain amount of microtrauma in it, it's already very elastic and pliable, and you can probably benefit more from stretching a warm muscle than a cold muscle. Mobility, on the other hand, is highly beneficial prior to work. Um, All work. Why? Because you're dealing with joints. And if you can iron out all that lactic acid buildup and all that stiffness and taking those joints to their outer fringes of range of motion you'll have a better session no matter what the work is. But I would be betraying myself if I didn't say this. Be careful with mobilization. And I'm not trying to scare you. Um, You're not going to hurt yourself. But what I see often is that um, mobilization sessions become a crutch for some people. And I've seen people come in and do an hour to an hour and a half of mobilizing for a five-minute workout. To me, that's overkill. Um, uh, My question is this, is when did humans become so precious, especially to those of us who are, um, for lack of a better term, athletes? Um, So I'll say for those of us who pursue physical endeavor as a lifestyle when did it get so precious why do we have to sit there and and take our joints through range of motion exercises for an hour to an hour and a half to do 10 minutes of work i always go back to nature right so say you're walking across the street and some idiot almost runs you over you, I guarantee you if, you, if you catch that car coming at you, you're going to turn all of your motor units on in your entire body in a fraction of a second. And you're going to jump or sprint or dive roll or whatever to get the fuck out of the way. Now, do you have to mobilize for an hour to do that? Here's another example. If, um, if you have children and you see your child is going to fall off of something, I guarantee you, you will, with reckless abandon, do everything you can to go from a completely flaccid body to turning all of your motor units on all at once, 
to absorb the ballistic stress of your child falling from whatever distance. You'll turn it right on. If somebody um, takes a swing at you at a bar, you're going to, thank you, Tony Blower, flinch and turn all of your motor units on to absorb that blow and um, use your joints through their fringes of their range of motion. Now, do you have to mobilize to do that? Are you going to hold up a finger to that car that's coming to ro- run you over and say, hang on, man, uh, I have to do some, I have to do 10 pass-throughs for three rounds to open up my shoulder girdle? Of course you're not. Now, am I... Am I debunking mobilization? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is is that do what's optimal, but to sit there and mobilize for an hour, hour and a half, this is overkill, guys. And um, it shouldn't be confused with work. Next question. Steve, I'm considering joining a strength and conditioning gym. What types of things should I look for to make sure that it's a great place to train in? First and foremost, you should look at the quality of coaching. And what I mean by quality of coaching, I mean experience. Um, If you are looking at the head trainer or head coach and they look as though they're watching as opposed to talking. If you look as though, if they look as though they're analyzing as opposed to cheerleading, if they look as though they're contemplating someone's movement as they're watching them, as opposed to letting their eyes wander and staring at the clock, um, it's probably a good place. Also, experience. If you're talking to the head coach and they tell you that they've been doing this for 15 plus years, um, it's probably a good place to be. Um, Notice I didn't say anything about certifications. Um, Here's the thing. If you're talking to somebody with a 20-year career, they might not even have a certification. So, Really, if if you're going to a strength and conditioning gym, looking at, you know, what their certifications are or who they're certified by, what their certifying body is, um, it's meaningless to your success. For those of you who don't know, a certification is nothing more than regurgitating information, okay? So... Uh, you might have a very young coach at a place who has up to 10 certifications. Does that mean that they're an expert on all of those things that they're certified in? Not at all. Here's how certification goes right now in this day and age of, um, of strength and conditioning certs. Basically, you pay your money and you go to a two-day seminar And at the end of that two-day seminar, they hand you a certification, often without testing. Now, does that make that person who paid their $500, $1,500 to sit in a classroom with other people who don't really know what they're doing for two days, um, where at the end of it, they get a piece of paper that said that you were here, does that make them an expert? 
Not in my opinion. Um, not at all. Uh, often, if you talk to that guy in this gym that's just looking and contemplating and not really cheerleading or talking a whole lot, um, and he has a 20-year career behind him, he may not even have a certification. The reason why is the longer you're in this industry, the more you realize that certifications are pretty much bullshit. A lot of the big name ones are nothing more than an online continuing course that are nothing more than you logging in and working through a series of multiple choice questions. And when you come to one that stumps you, you just do a Google search so you can answer the question. I'm serious. That's how it is. Years ago, 20 years ago, it wasn't like that. There was a series of written exams. There was a series of case studies that you had to hand in. When I first got my personal training certificate in 1999, I literally handed in a 40, I had to mail in a 45 page paper. Um, this in conjunction with doing my master's thesis, my, my certification for, it was the ISSA at the time, um, was longer than my master's thesis. Uh, it's not like that anymore. Now you can walk away with the same certification and know absolutely nothing. Sorry to break it to everybody, but that's, that's the way it is. There are some out there that require you to have hands-on training, to have you work with an upper-level coach. But even though they call these certification programs, do your research and, and see which ones are set up like that, where you're actually working with somebody who does have experience, and it's set up like a mentorship kind of opportunity. Um, an apprenticeship is the way this shit should be run in my opinion. Um, uh, but regardless, is this a good training facility that you want to join? Experience, experience, experience. That's the only question you should be asking. What is your experience? If somebody tells you, well, I have, if the answer is this, what is your experience? Well, I have five certifications. Just walk out the fucking door. Don't waste your time. Walk out the door. If somebody says, well, I've been doing this for 10 years and I've trained these populations and ranging from somebody who can't get out of bed to somebody who is a high-level athlete, like, just stop right there, man. I'm training with you. I'm, I'm with you. Um, experience is key. Next question. Steve, how much sleep should I get a night? I'm not an expert on this. Actually, my sleep patterns suck. Um, but I will tell you this, um, Dr. Rhonda Patrick has done a lot of research on this, uh, with circadian rhythms and stuff. She has a podcast called found my fitness. Um, it's a little wordy, little, little heady at times. Um, but she's definitely the expert to ask. I'm not the guy to ask my, my sleep sucks. Next question, Steve, I like that you ask each athlete what they eat and how often. What are some easy changes I can make to my diet to make it more healthy? Um, whew. Man, you're, you're talking to an extremist here. You're asking a, a question to an extremist. So the idea of easy changes, um, uh, just saying easy changes, it, it just it kind of makes me nervous to even say those two words 
together in one sentence. Um, look, change isn't easy, all right? Especially when it comes to eating. Um, if, if you're in the habit of eating like shit, all right? If, if you're a 30-year-old and you're still eating like a 14-year-old um, at fast food restaurants and, and uh, convenience stores, um, any change is going to be difficult, all right? Change is difficult. That's, if it wasn't, everybody would change. You know, um, I guess a, a better question for you would be, why do you want to change your diet? And I would raise the stakes on the answer to that. If you've come to a point that you want to change your diet because you feel as though your health is at risk, or perhaps your doctor tells you that your health is at risk, then in your imagination, Make that bigger. Make it life or death. You'd be surprised what you'll do if you make shit life or death. So to answer your question, I think the easiest change uh, that you can make to your diet is changing your mind. Change something internally. Um, when you do that, when you change that, that idea of what it is you're doing and why it is you're doing it, and you start from a real place in your imagination and in your mind, it makes choices in the moment when you're staring at this food, um, makes the choices better. Easy change, change your mind first, and everything will follow. Next question, I love this question. How do I deal with aches, pains, and injuries during my workout? Um, this is an awesome question because I talk about this quite often with people. And the first thing that I want you to tell yourself is that there's a difference between pain and injury. I know that sounds simple when I'm saying it, but say it to yourself. There's a difference between experiencing pain and having an injury. Um, an injury is something that needs to be fixed. All right? We'll, we'll call it that. An injury needs to be fixed or needs to be rehabbed. Pain will go away on its own. So that's the major difference. Pain will go away. Injuries, they need some attention. Um, so now that we know that, I'm going to take injuries out of this question. Uh, because you, you, you don't just deal with injuries during, uh, during a workout, okay? You deal with aches and pains during a workout. Injuries need some attention, need to be fixed. Aches and pains, how do you deal with those during a workout? Higher purpose. Give yourself a higher purpose. Make the reason why it is you're doing that workout greater for yourself than those aches and pains. And you won't experience them, at least in the moment. They'll come flooding back to you, believe me, when the workout's done. But in the moment, they'll disappear. If you give yourself a higher purpose, create it. And I'm not talking about religion, although 
It could mean religion for you. Um, I'm talking about giving yourself some sort of imaginary purpose, some sort of reason for why it is you're putting yourself through this hell. And stick to that reason like glue. And your aches and pains will subside. But injuries are different. Remember that. Next question. I'm sure that uh, you've all heard this. And I'm sure you've had this question. Uh, How often should I train? How many times a week should I train? How long should I do it for? Um, I'm going to ignore the science here and tell you this. You should do it as much as you can. All right? You should do it as much as you can. Somebody said uh, three days a week. Somebody made that shit up. All right? There's there's no scientific... I've never come across a scientific study that said when you're starting out on an exercise program, three days a week for 30 minutes a day is the optimal duration of time and at the optimal... Uh, recurrence. Uh, I've never read that study. There is no scientific study that says that. If there is, please send it to me and I'll recant this whole thing, but I've never found it. All right. That's anecdotal at best. So I say, ignore that shit. You should do it as many, as often as you can for as long as you can. What does that mean? Um, I guarantee you, if you're just starting off, you're not going to overtrain. You, you just won't. It's, you, you won't do it. Um, you'll be exhausted. You won't have the capacity of dealing with l- lactic acid buildup and delayed onset muscle soreness um, 48 hours after your first workout. You, you, you just won't have the capacity to do it. So train as often as you can. It's a simple answer. And for as long as you can. There you go. Next question. Steve, why do my workouts never get easier? Man. Man, just that question alone tells me that you're awesome. If your workouts never get easier, that is, that's a win. That means that you're constantly pushing yourself. That's great. The day that it does become easy is the day that um, is the day that you're sandbagging it. So, great question. Says a lot about you. Why do your workouts never get easier? Because you're awesome, man. Plain and simple. Next question, Steve. What is the best diet for weight loss? Oh, I don't want to touch that one. I'm not touching that one. I'm not touching that one because it's it's not it's not a soundbite answer. Um, yeah, not a soundbite answer. Can't answer that, man. Sorry. So, um, you know what? I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a special episode talking about diet. I I will, but I'm not answering that question right now because there's too much to talk about to give that question the justice that it deserves. So I apologize. 
but I, I just, I want to give that question justice and this isn't, this isn't the right episode. Next question, Steve, I train multiple times a day. What is the best time to rest? How long, how long, sorry, should I rest between workouts? Um, whew. I would say you should rest enough so that you're hitting your next workout with the same amount of intensity as you hit your first workout. If you're working off of a programmer, if somebody's programming for you, say, two-a-days or three-a-days, where you have two or three, we'll call it three, three sessions throughout the day that you're expected to hit. Often these are split up in between strength sessions, conditioning sessions, um, skills sessions, gymnastics work, shit like that, you know. Um, or it could be split up by energy systems uh, for specific adaptations. But what you shouldn't do is you shouldn't look at those three blocks of work, those three sessions, as just work that's that needs to be done that adaptation will magically take place. Adaptation comes from intensity. So say, hypothetically, you have a morning strength session, an afternoon conditioning session, and an evening gymnastic session. All right? You want to space those out with enough time that you're recovering, coming back down to baseline from your first session, fully recovering, that maybe you eat to replenish some of your glycogen stores that you burnt, and you're sufficiently awake and ready and eager for the next session. What does that mean? That's just my fancy way of saying that I can't put a, a, a time on that. That's different for everybody. Some people can bounce back in 30 minutes. Some people need a couple of hours. Um, some people really need to spread it out. 6 a.m., 5, and 9 o'clock at night. Who, who knows? But I would say be your best guide. Take inventory of yourself. And if you're going into session number two and you're dragging your ass, you're not ready for that session plain and simple. And you're not ready for that session because you're not going to hit that session with enough intensity to garner the adaptations that your coach or your programmer wants you to get. Um, so yeah, take inventory of yourself. If, if you're, if you're feeling on fire for that next session, then you rested enough. If you feel like you're dragging yourself back in into the gym. You're not ready. You know, take another pre-workout. Eat a meal. Chill out for a minute. Next question. Steve, my sister wants me to join her gym with her. She's looking great, but I'm worried that when I stop training, all the muscles that I'll get will turn to fat. Will that happen? Um, no. It just won't, it just won't happen because fat 
doesn't turn into muscle and muscle also cannot and will not turn into fat. So the question that you should be asking yourself is this, why before you've even started, are you already asking me what happens when I stop? Um, don't stop. Just don't stop. <laughs> don't stop. But no. When you, when you start a program, when you start training with your sister, what will happen is that your body composition will change. You'll increase the size of your muscles. And because the size of your muscles increases, uh, it'll also increase your metabolism because big muscles, a bigger lean body requires more calories to sustain itself. So if you continue to eat how you're eating, what's going to happen is that nutrition is going to be used to feed the muscles and the muscles get bigger, which means you're going to be burning fat at a faster rate. Okay. That's the adaptive process of training. That's the training effect in a nutshell. All right. When it comes to, um, body composition and physique. However, if you do stop, the body is an adaptive organism. So if you do stop, um, yeah, your muscles will atrophy. They'll adapt to the stress that you're putting on it, which is none. So they'll get smaller again. And if you continue to eat how you were eating to feed bigger muscles, then yes, you're not going to be utilizing those calories and utilizing those macronutrients anymore. So the body, being an efficient machine, will store all of that energy that you're getting from those foods as fat. But the muscle will not turn into fat. Will you get fat? Possibly. If you continue to eat for a larger muscled frame and you're no longer training, your body will store that energy um, as adipose tissue. Yes. Next question. I'm going to do a couple more. Then maybe do another one of these. Um, next question. Steve, I'm a coach. I've been a coach for two years, and I'm just wondering, what is your coaching philosophy? I believe in the law of individual differences. I believe in the principle of specific adaptations to impose demands. I believe that the mind can guide our bodies to do things we didn't think possible. I believe that the human spirit can guide our minds to do things that we didn't think is possible. And I believe that fitness is a holistic endeavor that goes far beyond physical. Next question, another coaching question. Hey, Steve, uh, how would you handle a non-compliant athlete? Um, I'm assuming you're talking about somebody that's not taking your coaching seriously or somebody that's just not listening to you or somebody who's difficult. Uh, the worst situation that you could find yourself in as a coach, my friend, is constantly auditioning. Um, and the more you do it, the worse it will get for you and the less that athlete or that client will believe in you. Trust me. The more you vie for their appreciation, uh, the less they'll appreciate you. So when you see this start to occur, just kindly tell them that you're feeling this vibe 
from them. And if it doesn't change, shake their hand and just tell them that you don't think you're the right fit. Plain and simple. Next question, Steve. <laughs> uh, Steve, I really loved you on Delocated. Tell me what you did to get in shape to play the role of Sergey. Um, I did three training sessions a day. Thank you, by the way, for uh, watching Delocated um, on Adult Swim. But I did three training sessions a day. Um, my first training session was primarily hypertrophy work where I did um, mostly barbell compound movements at a moderate load for moderate to high repetitions in the 12 to 15 repetition range. And I would just block it out by time under tension as opposed to sets and reps. So I would try to, for each body part, spend between 45 minutes and one hour under tension to create microtrauma. So my muscles would rebuild themselves at rest. And then I would do two more conditioning sessions that also dealt with um, primarily functional fitness movements um, in the 20 minute range that, and I ate really strict paleo in calorie deficit. So for about four weeks, I ate at about 1500 calories a day for four weeks. And before the shoot, I knew I would be shirtless. They told me that I would be half naked for uh, one week. So that four weeks of preparation was preparing for one week of shirtless scenes um, and, uh, yeah, that's about it. I drank a lot of water prior and then I cut water 24 hours ahead, similar to what a bodybuilder would do pre contest. And, um, the idea being that you pump a lot of water into your system. So your body is really used to processing that water. And then all of a sudden you deprive it of water and drink a lot less and you're still processing the same amount that you were used to. So it kind of dries you out to make your physique pop more. Um, yeah, but that's how I got ready for, for the scenes that I'm pretty sure I, I, uh, I think you're talking about. But thanks for the question, and thanks for being a fan of Delocated, one of my favorite projects. Next question, Steve, I'm a little bit overwhelmed by all the stuff that I read on the internet. Uh, seems like everybody has something else to say about everything in regards to fitness, in regards to training, in regards to strength training. Uh, how do I determine what is good information from what is bad information? Um, man, I know, I know. Marcus Fillion and I talked about this briefly. Um, if you haven't heard that episode, it's a fantastic episode. Go back, check out the Marcus Philly episode. But we, he talked about this more than I did, um, is the misinformation out there. And, um, I think the best thing that anyone can do if you're just starting out is join a, 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 a solid strength and conditioning gym. Um, 
obviously, you know, I have some biases. That's that's obvious. But I'm just saying, join any strength and conditioning gym. I, I, I realize that I interview a lot of CrossFit athletes. I happen to own a CrossFit gym. But you need to start by listening to people who are actually living this on a daily basis. Okay? It doesn't have to be CrossFit. Any strength and conditioning gym that, like I answered in a previous question, has a certain level of experience is a good place to start. Um, that, and if, if that's not in the cards, if you don't want to do that, if you do want to do this on your own, you can, you can determine what's real information by the simplicity of it. If it's simple information, it's probably good information. I have no frame of reference for what you're discussing um, or, or what you're talking about or what you've read, but there is a lot of misinformation out there. Um, I, I know that for a fact, but the simpler the program, the simpler the message probably means it's more authentic. Here is the simplest advice that I could give you. Do hard work often and keep trying to make it harder. That's as simple as I could put it. Do hard work often and keep trying to make it harder. And... Um, that's some good advice for you. That and go to a strength and conditioning gym and learn how to move properly. Then do it on your own. Learn how to move properly. Then do it on your own. All right, one more question, guys, and I think I've talked enough for one um, episode all about myself. <clears throat> Pardon me. One more question, and then uh, I'm going to say goodbye until next week. Maybe I'll do two parts of this. That's what I'll do. I'll answer one more question and then I'll do a part two next week and then we'll get back to our regular interviews. Last question today. Steve, I really like the last part of the questionnaire, the spirit. Um, do you meditate? And if so, what does your meditation ritual look like? Do I meditate? Meditation is hot these days, man. You know, back in the day, back in the 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 early two thousands, um, you know, nobody was doing it, but um, but now it seems hot. I don't know. Everybody's talking about meditation. There's apps for meditation now. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I don't really call it meditation, but I've done all sorts of shit, man. Um, you know, from Zen practice to um, Tai Chi moving meditation, um, Qigong. Um, you know, I've, I've done a lot. I find that for me, just going into nature is where it's at, right? So I'll go and I'll find a quiet spot. And for me, meditation is awareness. Okay, 
So I'll go to a quiet spot. It doesn't even have to be in nature. You know, I've done this in a park. I've done it uh, on, on my back deck. Um, find a quiet spot in nature and then try to put yourself into extreme peripheral vision. Uh, call it wide angle vision. If any of you are, are outdoorsmen, are, um, are into survival, there's a great school here on the East Coast um, called Tracker School. This guy, Tom Brown Jr., teaches people how to track. And um, I love this place. They actually have something, if you, if you have a family, they actually have something called COTEF, which is Children of the Earth Foundation, um, which is for families. And they do great survival classes and awareness classes and primitive skills. It's just really cool, man. Great vibe. But, um, but I learned this technique of this idea of wide-angle vision to open my awareness in, in the woods, in survival situations, in a hunting situation, in whatever. But I like to go to a quiet place in the woods, go into wide-angle vision, and, um, and just melt into the landscape. That's my idea of meditation, which is interesting because I also do that when I'm working out as well. Um, I really like to approach a barbell in wide-angle vision. It has this capacity to turn off the conscious mind and, and put you in an alpha state immediately, um, in that flow state. Wide-angle vision, man. That's my meditation. I hope that answered your question. And that wraps up my very first Q&A episode. So thank you, everybody, for listening and for tolerating one single voice for however long I've been talking. I'm going to do a part two. I'm not going to keep on going, but I'm going to do part two of this. And, um, and I think I'm just going to keep on banking these questions. So keep on sending them to me. If you go to www.theartoffitnesspodcast.com and you scroll down, there's a place where you can click, um, do you have a question you want answered on the show? Click that. Um, follow the instructions. Send me your questions, and I'll get to them eventually. Totally. All right. Thanks a lot. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Fitness. If you did, please subscribe, write a review. Also, go to www.theartoffitnesspodcast.com. Scroll down and do all of your Amazon shopping through the Art of Fitness portal. It would really help support. Thanks a lot. No,